1: listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season.
2: Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Once again this week, I'll be at the helm. It's me, Dan Myler, and with me is Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Ryan, how'd the draft treat you? Uh,
1: it treated me pretty well. You know, the, the dra- Really? Because...
2: You were the one at the end of last week's episode that said, that really correctly predicted that most dynasty owners would be disappointed uh, at the end of round one when they saw not very many position players win. We only got eight, three of which were quarterbacks, two of which were tight ends, only got one running back, and two wide receivers. I guess we were saved with the Enkeel harry pick. Uh, so it must've picked up for you then because we, we weren't that excited at the end of we round weren't. one.
1: no, but, and, and that was, that wasn't exactly a bold prediction either. I think, I think pretty much everybody saw that one coming, but the, the Harry pick was a little bit of a bonus. Like you said, at the end of the first, that, that kind of got me, uh, got me fired up for round two and three. And of course we saw a ton of guys we care about those, those skill position players, uh, coming off the board. Some a little bit later than we expected, but that's that's okay
2: yeah and there were some nice landing spots for sure sprinkled in with some relatively poor ones Matt what were your overall thoughts of the of the NFL draft Matt?
0: yeah basically the same thing uh, it was it was a little bit hard to watch as some of our favorite prospects land in, you know not so ideal landing spots uh, it was a, a big disappointment for me too Dan for our packers not a single. Uh, uh, receiving weapon help for Aaron Rodgers you know we went heavy on the defense again in round one after we were dreaming of that Josh Norris mock where they he gave us uh, Hawkinson I think it was Hawkinson and uh, and AJ Brown so uh, yeah a little bit disappointed there just just for for our team but uh, I'm sure we need those defensive guys too to help uh, continue to bolster that side of the the ball for Mike Pettin.
2: Yeah, I'll save my thoughts on the Packers draft for another draft, I, I was, or, or another episode. I was definitely cheering for the A.J. Brown pick at both 30, or when they traded up to 21, I guess, and then at 44. It didn't happen, but uh, hopefully it helps the team in the long run. We're going to do pretty much the same thing we did a week ago, guys. We're going to repeat our, our footprints, I guess. Uh, PPR mock draft single quarterback so no super flex in this one again and then you know pretty much presume a 12 team league we're actually even going to take the the same order as we did a week ago we'll compare it to last week's draft uh, talk a little bit about the landing spots what we like and don't like talk a little bit about where these guys uh, where these guys landed and how that affected. Their, their draft and then or their draft positioning I guess and then kind of finish things up with some of the ADP that Ryan's been collecting since I think round three or four of the NFL draft those things started and they're they're wrapping up now so we got a lot of data to get to you guys as listeners we'll get right to it Matt you let it off last week so you again will have that number one pick this week
0: yeah, this, the top of this draft feels a lot like 2015 when we had to make a choice between Todd Gurley and Amari Cooper, and... Uh, you know, neither choice ended up being too too wrong. Obviously, you were a little bit happier with with Gurley over the last couple of years there. If you went that route, uh, but so I think we have one wide receiver and one running back again at the top here that we have to choose between in a in a regular one quarterback league. Otherwise, I still think it's Kyler Murray number one. But I will take that guy you mentioned at the end of the first round, Nikhil Harry for the Patriots. He feels like uh, the locked in 101 for me. I can see a consideration for that running back. Um, but I feel a lot more comfortable with the wide receiver here at the first pick.
2: Yeah, one thing I want to throw in here because recently I've been talking a lot about salary cap leagues and contract leagues with with people on Twitter and and through email and things like that. Um, if you're listening because you're a salary cap guy, I, I think the the actual lock, stock, and barrel number one pick is that actually might be a running back because of that contract and that that you know. Necessity to get early production out of specifically early picks in those first rounders. So while I agree that in a standard dynasty, Harry is probably the guy to go with, I wouldn't shy away from the running backs if I were in in a contract
1: uh, league. Ryan, you're up at two. All right, two is... uh, The the two spot is actually not one I really covet this year, not because necessarily of of the quality of the players, but really just how my rankings uh, ended up, at least how they are in this in this early portion post-draft. The running back that seems to be everybody's RB1 is not my RB1. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to take Miles Sanders. He was my pre-draft uh, running back one. I, I'm happy with the landing spot in Philadelphia, not too worried about Jordan Howard at all. Uh, he was the second running back taken. And I, I just think there's enough questions about... Uh, about that other guy maybe maybe Dan will take him um that that I'm I'm sticking with Sanders as my RB1 so if, if this is my position in an actual draft I'm probably either trying to trade up and get Harry or uh, trading down and and taking Sanders uh, closer to his ADP and, and and for the record I know we were going to talk ADP Nikhil Harry was pre-draft uh, 101 he's post-draft 101 we did 10 uh, mock drafts, he went first overall in nine of those. So uh, actually I was really surprised by that uh, by that level of consensus. Miles Sanders was pre-draft uh, six overall. he moves up to three overall after the draft. Yeah, and Matt mentioned that it feels a lot like the 2015
2: rookie drafts that we all took, a, took part in and that there was a big decision. I think in standard auction or standard dynasty leagues, uh, so discounting cap leagues or, or contract leagues. Um, I, I think it might be closer to a, to a slam dunk 101 than it maybe was back then. Uh, and, and maybe that ADP that you were talking about there, Ryan, reflects that a little bit. I am going to go with the other running back, the first running back taken in the NFL draft. I do agree with you, Ryan. I had Miles Sanders as my top running back going into the draft. Love the landing spot in Philadelphia and think there's big potential for him with the Eagles. But since he's gone and I'm up at three, I'll take Josh Jacobs of the Raiders. Uh, Being the first running back taken, obviously is a good thing for his dynasty upside. And it seems like he'll go first or second in most drafts. Probably will settle in, at least in the early part of this off season or post-draft off season as the number two pick. So to get him at three, Uh, Seems like an obvious pick for me. Matt, you're back up at number four.
0: Yeah, this is where it gets tough. And the the player that I'm going to take here is someone who I was not really that high on uh, the pre-draft process. And it seems like like most people or a large percentage of people are down on this landing spot for – Uh, Mr. DK Metcalf but I actually quite like it I actually think this is a really great spot for him it seems like he uh, like like obviously Seattle wants to run the ball and play defense but they want to take shots downfield they just signed Russell Wilson to a huge contract Um, and you have to think that you know they're going to want him to be a little bit more a part of the offense in terms of the passing game, and they certainly demonstrated that uh, with some of their draft picks at wide receiver in this draft. And you know we have this other thing brewing with with Doug Doug Baldwin, where he's looking real like really look, looking like he's not going to play anymore, like he's going to hang it up. So if that's the case, and they're going to take deep shots down down the field, then DK Metcalf, I, I think I already like more than Tyler Lockett and really and David Moore and the other receiver uh, that they that they brought in there and Seattle. So I I quite like DK Metcalf up here. He actually moved up a couple of spots for me from my pre-draft ranking. So might be a little bit of a reach by for some, I think, but I don't think he would necessarily be there. It's at my next pick at seven, so I'll take him here at four.
2: You know, Matt, I was live updating my rankings as the draft kind of progressed and as we went through pick by pick, and DK was a little lower on my rankings. And as other picks came in, and maybe some of them had the – you know, less desirable landing spot. And I guess it settled in that he was in Seattle and and maybe that wasn't quite as bad of a landing spot as, as maybe I thought right away. He slowly started walking up those rankings. He was closer to 10 than he was the top of my rankings at the beginning. And it seems like he's every day or every couple of days, I think more about it, and he walks his way up. I, I think maybe that's probably something dynasty owners are going through as these drafts start. The day he was drafted, oh, I don't really like that, but as we get closer and maybe you're on the clock, you start thinking DK Metcalf, I like that lottery ticket, especially in the middle of the first round.
1: Yeah, I, I like the Metcalf pick as well. I I, I don't know if that would have You know, I don't know if you sniped me. I don't know if that would have been my pick at four or five. But at the same time, I don't think it was a reach. Like you said, Matt, once you really, once you get past uh, three and, and depending on how you feel about Sanders, maybe once you get past two, it's, it's a huge tier from three really through the end of the first round and and maybe even into the second round. So uh, you're not going to see two rookie drafts that are alike this year. Once, once you get past those top two or three picks. And I'm not I'm not sure there's going to be such thing as a reach at that point. You just have to you've got to get your guy. Um, so if, if DK's your guy, I kind of like it. And I agree also when when you talk about Lockett. I mean, he produced last year, but he did so on limited volume. So we could easily we could easily see DK Metcalf be the wide receiver one on that team, uh, basically from from day one. So. I'm good with that pick. My fourth overall player is the one I will take here at five. It is AJ Brown. Um, I I think a little bit of concern with the landing spot, but that's to me, that has more to do with the quarterback situation. I don't think it's a long-term issue because I think in 2019, we're either going to see Marcus Mariota get right and turn it on, or we're going to see him get replaced. Um, so, I'm I'm not worried about AJ Brown long term. Uh I'm I'm glad to get him here at 5.
0: I guess I guess my biggest concern with that landing spot is like, what do we do with Corey Davis now? Is Corey Davis still the wide receiver one there? Are we considering A.J. Brown the wide receiver one there now? Does it matter? Uh, Corey Davis was, sled, was seventh in the league in target share last year, but only had 112 targets uh, per J.J. Zacharison. So I just don't it's, – it's really hard to envision both of these guys hitting 100 targets, and how do you know which one is it going to be? And then you have the issues with Mariota. Is he a quarterback? Is he not? Uh, I just if I really wanna take him high, but I just have so many questions about what's going on in Tennessee right now and them wanting to, you know, run the ball with Henry. Uh, it just it just feels feels bad. Sure. I don't know how else no, to describe it. I get it.
1: that. And I think concerns about Mariota, as I mentioned, are are certainly fair. Concerns about them making comments like they want to build their offense around Derrick Henry, that's a fair concern. I don't think, I don't think Corey Davis is a concern. I think A.J. Brown's better than him day one, right now. Put them both on the field, and I'd rather have A.J. Brown uh, in fantasy, in dynasty, on an NFL field. It doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, I tend to lean that way as well, but I still f- fall on the side of the fence that, that of the dynasty owners that feel like it was Mariota that dro- drove down Corey Davis's potential and has kind of held him back. So like you, Matt, I feel torn. I-, I feel pulled in two directions, and I'm not sure which way to land. We all know how high on A.J. Brown I was coming in. For the record, I do have him as my fourth player as well. I would have gladly taken him at six, but since uh, Ryan did and, and sniped me once again, which was a theme last week, uh, I guess I'll have to I'll have to take another route. I'm gonna go with David Montgomery, the running back, and you know he went not tenth last week in our mock draft, and I, I think it's pretty safe to say that he's expected his value went up. Considering his landing spot, landing in Chicago with with only really Tariq Cohen to take uh, to take carries and touches and playing time away from him, the expectation for most dynasty owners will be that he's on the field regularly, has a big chunk of that backfield, and to get a guy like that at six, especially in a league where we we look so hard for running backs that get a big piece of the pie, I think that feels like a good spot. For him. So to recap, the top six in the first round, it went Harry, Sanders, Jacobs, Metcalf, Brown, and Montgomery. Last week, it was Harry, Brown, Metcalf, Hakeem Butler at four, then Sanders and Jacobs. So a little bit of jostling between these players. Matt, you're up at seven.
0: Yeah, real quick, I'll go back to Montgomery. I. I Another one of those I just I don't know about the landing spot. Like I it just you know he can catch the ball, but t- just like with with Howard, obviously a better receiver than Howard was. Like he's gonna be capped by Tariq Cohen there and what they do with him. So I I, I feel less. Com- I, I I don't know if it's possible to feel less confident about him now given where he went, and the offense that he in. But I kind of do like compared to where I felt about him pre-draft. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any comments on that. or you want me to just move on?
2: No, I, I do have a comment on that. I, I actually am the complete opposite, Matt. And maybe it's a good discussion to have because I had my my res- reservations, I guess, about Montgomery and, and you know thought really that he needed to land in the right spot. And I kind of feel like Chicago is the right spot. He's not going to be asked To be the guy full-time, they can highlight some of his strengths and and maybe keep him off of the field with some of those deficiencies. Um, While we didn't maybe see Howard play a, a huge role, and a lot of dynasty owners might look at that situation and say, oh, they drafted Montgomery to play that same role, get five to eight carries a game, I tend to fall on the other side of the argument and feel like Montgomery will blend nicely with Cohen uh, maybe split a little bit more evenly and fall in the 10 to 15 touches a game, which would be a really nice role for him, especially in the middle of the first round if if those are the expectations.
0: All right, so at seven, this draft is, has fallen pretty nicely for me. My fifth overall player in this draft is Paris Campbell. I like him going to the Colts, one of the most forward-thinking organizations in the league, I think, with Frank Reich. Uh, uh, and, and it came out that it was, this was really one of his picks and not necessarily Grigson's pick. So I think he knows how he wants to use him, and uh, I think this is going to be an exciting player to add some more speed to that. Uh, I've heard some people compare it to like when the Colts took uh, Philip Dorsett, and we're kind of doubling up on speed with with Ty Hilton. But I think Campbell's a little bit more versatile player than than Dorsett was. Uh, it's certainly going to be uh, fun to see if the projection of him being a downfield receiver after we didn't really see it at Ohio State, if that's going to work out. But I I feel pretty confident that this this team is going to be able to use him effectively. So I like him at, at seven here.
2: So if I can interrupt real quickly, if you'll go to my rankings on DynastyLeagueFootball.com, you will see that I have Paris Campbell at 5 and David Montgomery at 6. I didn't think either one of you guys would jump on Campbell quite that quick, and I would be able to get him at 9. I wanted to see if anybody felt quite as strongly as I did. I think it's, like you said, Matt, the perfect marriage of, of talent and landing spot and quarterback and coach. Everything lines up for Karis, Paris Campbell to be a big star. I'm surprised you moved him all the way up to five, Matt. I know you had your reservations coming into the draft.
0: I, I, do, I do think that volume could be an issue, especially early on. You know, they signed Funches, uh, but... I, I just have confidence in that organization and, and how they're going to use him as a player. So uh, it's it's certainly with some reservation, but just looking at like the other landing spots, I just feel feel a lot better about it than I do with a, even a guy like A.J. Brown.
1: Well, well, we knew any, basically any wide receiver, especially really anybody in that top 10 range pre-draft, whichever one landed with Indy, we knew they were going to gain value. Campbell is a guy uh, – prior to the draft that was already gaining value he had actually moved up to an ADP of 12 overall in our pre-draft uh, rookie mocks which i was i was a little bit surprised to see honestly uh, but i know i know Dan's been talking him up a couple other people have been have been talking him up before the draft and then he gets uh, essentially the best case scenario landing spot so he went from kind of an iffy first rounder to Locked in as a first rounder, his his ADP is eight overall now, so that it moves from twelve to eight. Uh, at eight, I'm going to take uh, another wide receiver, uh, a guy I have ranked just above DK Metcalf and Paris Campbell. I'm going to take JJ Arcega-Whiteside, uh, Eagles pick, and you, you look at that Eagles depth chart and. Uh, they kind they kind of have their specialists, right? They got Djax to be their deep guy. They've been looking for that. I think uh, I think they'll certainly use uh, Jaws, Jj Arcega-Whiteside in the uh, in the red zone, and then Alshon Jeffrey, hopefully for for their sakes, does a little bit of everything. But of course, Jeffrey's getting older. Djax is is getting older, and I I, I can see Arcega-Whiteside kind of be in the future of that receiving core.
2: Yeah, I like our Sega Whiteside, especially in that spot. I think he fits right there at eight. That's where I have him in my rankings. I'm going to go with the guy I have ranked highest this time, Matt, so you can't get me. (laughs) Uh, I don't think this guy would slip through. I'm going to take tight end TJ Hawkinson. Top 10 in the NFL draft, certainly worth a top 10 pick in rookie drafts, in my opinion, although there are some of us that are a little bit afraid of what Has happened in the past with tight ends there with Matt Stafford and the Lions organization in general. Hawkinson is a lot different talent than what's been there in the past. It is a different coaching staff from the one that was there when Eric Ebron was a high draft pick as well. He's gonna get on the field right away. I think he's worthy of a top ten pick in rookie drafts. Some though. Uh, seemed to let him slide through the first round and into the middle of the second round for guys like Ryan McDowell to draft. He's shared a story of stealing him at 16 overall. I don't think that's going to happen regularly. I think, I think right around 9, 10, 11, that's where you're going to see Hawkinson
0: drafted. I'll take him here at 9. Yeah, I probably would have went ahead and pulled the trigger there on on Hawkinson. <laughs> um, I, I the next the next three wide receivers I have I have a really tough time uh, separating them right now at this part of the time in the process. So I will follow suit with you and just go ahead and take the next tight end Noah Fant uh, Denver. Uh, I think the landing spot is great. Clearly a need for some receiving weapons there in addition to Cortland Sutton. And you know however you feel about still feel about Emmanuel Sanders and and, uh, uh, and Ham- Deshaun Hamilton there. So I think Fant is going to slot right in. Denver has, has come out and said that they see him as a full-time tight end. Whether or not that's coach speak, I guess we'll have to see. Uh, but uh, I, I think that this is going to happen in most rookie drafts as soon as Hawkinson goes off the board. I think Fant is coming soon. So since I can't separate these next three receivers for myself, I will take Fant here at 10.
1: Yeah, and Hawkinson and Fant, we, saw, we actually saw Fant uh, ranked or I guess being drafted ahead of Hawkinson, Pre-draft, Fant was 10 overall. Hawkinson 13 overall. They've switched spots. Uh, post-draft, Hawkinson is up to seven overall in our post-draft ADP. Fant actually dropped one spot to 11.
2: But both first-round picks, for sure, and and both looked at as as quality landing spots. Yeah, really. I
1: think I think in general you'll see both guys being drafted in the first. Uh, it really it really does come down. Matt mentioned kind of this second tier of wide receivers, it comes down to some of these guys versus the tight ends in that late first, early second round range. So uh, again, every every rookie draft is going to be so unique this year. At 11 overall, I am going to take, uh, I guess the guy I would probably consider the the dynasty, I, I don't know, this, the dynasty story of the draft maybe, because this guy went from, being drafted 42nd overall in our pre-draft uh, ADP to an ADP of 16 overall. I'm going to reach for him a little bit at 11 overall and take Mecole Hardman, the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver. And, of course, this has as much to do with what else is going on in Kansas City as it does uh, Hardman's Hardman's talent or his draft capital. But we had talked about this guy, Nomad had talked about him quite a bit on the shows leading up to the draft, and – we had seen the mock drafts where he was being drafted in the second or third round. And, and we had, we had mentioned him uh, both on air and, and in our own conversations as, as a guy who might surprise us and might have more dynasty value than we expected. Um, And and that's obviously what happened to an extreme when he lands with the chiefs, it looks like obviously Tyreek Hill may not be with the chiefs or may not be with, uh, may not be in the league anymore. And the Chiefs have, have other wide receiver problems on top of that, Sammy. Watkins can't stay healthy. They, they even lost their third wide receiver from last year, Chris Conley. So I see Hardman as a guy who, who can come in and not only contribute right away, but be a fantasy starter right away, honestly. So getting, getting him at 11, uh, even though, I, as I mentioned, it was higher than his ADP, that actually feels like a steal to me. Yeah, I think there's some
2: baked-in risk with Hardman though because of all the pre-draft uh news and and the expectations of him there were there were people submitting top 500 lists or seven round mocks and wouldn't even lit, list Hardman among the draftable players so not that those are the bible that we should go by as as we follow the draft and look forward to it every year but it's pretty obvious to me that it it wasn't well-known throughout circles in the NFL or, or those that really follow closely that Hardman would would be seen in that light. Now, at the same time, it, it doesn't take any kind of genius to look at what the Chiefs did and when they drafted Hardman and everything that you mentioned there, Ryan, and see exactly what hard the expectation for Hardman should be going into his rookie season.
1: I guess I just wonder, and, and maybe, I don't know, it probably doesn't matter, if this Tyreek Hill issue isn't happening at all, where are we taking Hardman?
2: Yeah, I think the the question would be, where does Hardman get drafted if, if that's not? Because it's a direct correlation, right? We, we can all see through this. The reason he was drafted in the second round by that franchise is because of what's going on in Kansas City right now with their star wide receiver. If that's not a factor, if that news breaks after the draft, or if it even better, doesn't happen at all, where does Hardman go? Does he slip to the fourth, fifth, or sixth round? Does he go undrafted? Is it something like that? And and if that's the case, we're definitely not talking about him at 11, especially if he's, if he's a late-round pick and lands in a place that isn't looking for wide receiver talent.
1: I, I mean, I certainly don't think that would have been the situation. Um, his situation right now is a second-rounder in – and maybe the most uh, exciting and and pass happy offense in the league. That's again, a a best case situation, but I still think he was going to be a second or a third rounder by some team. But if it's the Jaguars or the jets or the, uh, you know, the dolphins, then no, he's certainly not a first rounder. He might not even be a second rounder.
2: Right. So there's a, I guess it's, it's not worth wasting our breath on what he'd be worth if he if he slipped in the draft or went to the Jets or anything like that. What we do know is he, he landed in a great situation, a place that uh, has a coaching staff and a quarterback that knows how to use a speed receiver and, and get him the football and, and make big plays because of that speed and that electricity that they offer. That leaves me after the Hardman pick at 12, and Matt, I'm I'm totally in the same boat as you. I don't, I don't know how to necessarily uh, rank this clump of wide receivers. Since Hardman is already gone, I guess I'm down to two guys, and I'm going to go with Debo Samuel simply because I like the landing spot and really like the passing of the passer that's on the team better than the other guy. So Samuel ends up in San Francisco. Seems like a stable organization that is on the rise with a up-and-coming quarterback and in need of a weapon. Uh, I think he fills in really nicely. Now you could say that he matches the talent and the and the same profile of other wide receivers on the team in San Francisco, but I think Samuel will mix in nicely. They're looking for a specific player. Hopefully, he gels well with the quarterback and and becomes a big time player for them. I have him ranked at 11, uh, so taking him at 12 seems just about right. So we're done with the first round. It went in he- Keel Harry. Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs in the top three, followed by DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, and David Montgomery. Second half of the first round went Paris Campbell, JJ Arcega Whiteside, TJ Hawkinson at nine, Noah Fant, Miko Hardman, and Debo Samuels. So JJ Arcega Whiteside, Miko Hardman, and Debo Samuels are newcomers to the first round from last week's mock. Hakeem Butler. Daryl Henderson and Marquise Brown slipped out of the first round. Matt, we are on to round two.
0: You have the number one pick. Let's see if we can get through this second round yes sir uh yeah hardman just to go back to the last two picks real quickly hardman i was calling the discount paris campbell discount paris campbell no more <laughs> only only a few picks after him now and he's definitely a first rounder debo samuel is the same feeling i think he's absolutely a first round uh a, a pick there I, a little bit sad for all of my dante pettis shares. i still kind of think pettis is the number one there but certainly like debo and that offense as well um and this third guy i think might be different than you guys i'm gonna throw draft capital to the wind like I, I, draft this has not been a this has not been a good 2019 NFL draft for, for team draft capital uh, in fact the first wide receiver is still on the board and I'm not going to take him I'm going to reach all the way to the first pick of the fourth round and go ahead and take Hakeem Butler here uh, our my, my wide receiver two entering the draft and now uh, you know I just I, I think he is the more exciting of the players uh, between him and uh, I'll, I'll just say it because we know he's going soon Isabella uh, I think he is he, he offers something different than Isabella does does and different than Christian Kirk does so uh, I think he's going to be able to differentiate himself from those two and if not if nothing else become kind of a monster touchdown score for him once uh, Lefairy Fitzgerald kind of walks away Uh, so it might be a little bit of a surprise and maybe a little bit of a reach there but I like him here at the top of round one
1: yeah so if if uh, Hardman was kind of the the positive story for dynasty owners I guess we could say Butler was the negative story. And if you really did check out most of these mock drafts, I know we talked a lot about some of those in our last episode. There was one or two that might've had Butler as, as a first rounder or even a second rounder, but there were, there were also plenty of mock drafts that had him as a third rounder or even a a day three pick. So, yeah it was a big surprise in some ways because he had climbed up to our one point o two rookie pick in our a d p he had he was actually the top rookie drafted in our startup a d p last month but there were there were a lot of warning signs here that that we just uh chose to ignore basically um so hakeem butler at two point o one feels feels a lot better and uh for the record his a d p went from two to 13 right where you took him Matt if I could just
2: jump in right here you know I think many dynasty owners from what we see on Twitter and and just talking to other guys in my leagues there was so much negativity about Hakeem Butler between Friday and Saturday during the draft because he was that guy that I think some of that held on in some leagues. Some owners held on to that, despite him being the number one pick on day four. And and for many of us, that saved his value. And oh, okay. But had he gone with the last pick in the third round, perhaps many dynasty owners wouldn't think of him in that light nearly as much. So because there was that negative negativity for that 12 or 16 hours, a lot of dynasty owners held on to that. And that that maybe affected his value more than it should, and I could see his value slowly creeping up. I think 13 sounds about right for me, but it wouldn't be a surprise to start seeing him go at the end of round one.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with, with all of that. Uh, I, I do think uh, the, the immediate reaction uh, post-draft and talking just the, the hours and the, the day or two after was probably slanted too far against Hakeem Butler, and uh, yes, draft capital does matter, and and we we throw out draft rounds that players uh, were chosen in, but when it comes down to it, he he was one pick away from being a third rounder. So uh, yeah, I I totally agree with everything you said there, Dan. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take the player that Matt mentioned, uh, Hakeem Butler's teammate Andy Isabella, uh, another guy who was climbing up. Pretty quickly in our pre-draft ranks, uh, his ADP has climbed a little. He goes from 19 overall to 15 overall. I'm taking him here at 14. Um, just, just really excited to see what this Cardinals team looks like. Not necessarily in 2019, but 2020 and and beyond. They they take the three wide receivers: Butler, Isabella. They took Keyshawn Johnson later. I I still really like Ricky Seals Jones. We we of course know what David Johnson can do, and and they get the quarterback with the first overall pick. So that's that's going to be a fun team to watch, hopefully, for years to come.
2: Yeah, the one thing that dynasty owners have to navigate, though, is because there's so many weapons that they've added now, uh, including the quarterback and the wide receivers and the guys that were already there, It's it might be difficult to try to figure out who's going to be the guy or, or the guys that take over once Fitzgerald's gone. Uh, but no doubt Andy and Isabella his value did go up with that landing spot for sure that leaves me on the clock at 15 overall on the 2.03 I'm going to take the guy that's staring me at right in the eyes on my board that's Marquise Brown I have him at 12 but some dynasty rankers have him as high as eight or nine uh, and, and maybe even higher than that not afraid of that landing spot the deep threat with Lomar Jackson, um, there there are certainly reasons for concern there. He was he does have the draft capital though, guys, and has the uh, you know the first the first wide receiver off the board. So I'll take Brown here at fifteen. That doesn't seem too bad to me. Matt, you're up at sixteen.
0: Yeah, I was wondering when he was going to go. I, I thought I might have a chance at him at four. But uh, good pick there, Dan. I'm gonna go. To, I'm gonna take somebody else who has fallen, and probably for good reason, because he was selected to be presumably the backup back to Todd Gurley. That's Daryl Henderson. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough landing spot, landing behind a bell cow like that. But I think it's a little bit different situation than when John Kelly landed there last year. Obviously, a, a much more explosive athlete than than uh, Kelly is, and we still have these lingering issues with with Gurley's knee. We don't really know exactly what's going on there. We think he's going to be okay, but in the event that he's not, then you know we might really have something here with Daryl Henderson and the way that offense is run. And even if not, you have to think even even if Gurley, Gurley is completely healthy, you have to think that they're going to want to reduce his workload a little bit since they moved up to take this guy here uh, in, in the in the 2019 draft. So uh, I think he's going to have some kind of role, even if Gurley is, you know, quote unquote, 100% healthy. So kind of like this in the middle of round two.
1: I like the Henderson pick. It's, uh, that yeah, that just really is a weird situation. And it, we don't know exactly what to expect with Gurley. We already didn't know what to expect. They uh they retained Malcolm Brown and and now this, so it it's definitely a reason that we should maybe maybe be a little a little worried, a little nervous. Um I'm on the clock here at 17 overall. I this is this is one of those situations. I think it's the first time tonight where I look at my rankings and I'm I'm gonna make a change here. I'm gonna flip-flop a couple players. I'm gonna go with Justice Hill, uh running back for the Ravens. Uh, love that landing spot. Love him being paired with Mark Ingram, and certainly don't want to compare Hill uh, to to Alvin Kamara. But uh, that's that's going to kind of be the role. Ingram will retain that power back role, just as he uh, he had or, or lead back role, I guess we could say, as he had in uh, in New Orleans. And I think it'll be Justice Hill as, as the change of pace guy, catching some passes. He's he's the speedy back. Uh, And and I'm excited to see those two guys together. I think he gained some value as well. He goes, um, actually, not not too much. He goes from 20 overall just up to 19. So uh, I think he's being undervalued at that spot.
0: I thought for sure I'd be able to get him at my next pick. That's why I didn't take him at the last pick. But I agree with everything you said, Ryan. That's fantastic pick, fantastic landing spot. Even if he's not going to be the lead back, then it doesn't really matter. The, vol- the volume that's in that rushing attack there in Baltimore is going to be really exciting for Justice Hill. And the fact that, I mean, I-, I think that Mark Ingram's a little bit of an underrated pass catcher, but Hill is certainly probably a more explosive athlete in that part of the game.
2: Yeah, I need to adjust my rankings as well, Ryan, because I was going to do the same thing. I was staring at Hill and staring at your rankings and thinking, oh, I'll get him. But then you made the same adjustment that I was going to make. I guess I have to adjust to your adjustment now. And I will. I'm going to take another running back and maybe another guy that I wasn't necessarily high on. But don't mind the landing spot with a bunch of veterans already in place. I'm gonna take Devin Singletary who landed with the Bills. I know there's there's like those as I mentioned, those veterans that are already there. We don't anticipate all of them to make the team and, and definitely look towards twenty twenty and and it's hard to see more than one of them on the roster. So Singletary's my pick here. I feel like I got way less value though than Ryan did a pick earlier.
0: Well, I think it's time, you guys, to pull the trigger on Kyler Murray here at 2.7. Feels about right. Uh, feels maybe even a little bit late where he might go in, in actual rookie drafts. Uh, even in a one-quarterback league, I think he offers a nice upside to you know be your backup for this season and, and potentially your starter uh, You know, going forward after that. So I like getting that here in the, the middle of round two.
2: Yeah, and Murray, I'd like to hear what his ADP is. It seems like this might be a little bit light.
1: Yeah, it's, it's way light, actually. It's even light compared to his pre-draft ADP. Pre-draft, he's going 17 overall, and I think this is one of the stories to watch as we really get into rookie draft season across Dynasty Leagues. He's a first-rounder, guys. He's going 12 overall. Um, I'm not taking him there. Uh, he's he's an exciting player. He's a little bit lower in my ranks. I'd rather, uh, rather have, well, all the guys we've drafted so far, essentially, but um, and, and there's one other guy who I'm going to take right here that I would have taken over Murray. So he for me, he's a mid-second rounder. I know that means I probably won't get him in any league, though. Uh, at 20 overall, this is the, uh, I talked about the flip-flop uh, just with my last pick. And, and I, that was a wise choice because this guy falls right down to 20 overall for me. I'm going to take Damian Harris, the Alabama running back. Now the New England Patriots running back. That landing spot obviously hurt him because of the competition there for touches. He was a first rounder. He was going 11 overall pre draft, uh, drops pretty significantly down to 18 overall. I get him here at 20, and I think we're going to see him fall in in a lot of leagues. Obviously Sony Michelle there, uh, James White there catching passes. Rex Rex Burkhead had a down year, uh, but he's he's no slouch when he's healthy. So certainly going to be. Um, uh, a lot of competition for those touches, but that's, that's nothing new to Harris, right? I mean, he's, he's played with Najee Harris. He's played with Josh Jacobs, the RB one for most in this class. And he came out on top of that competition. And I I don't, I'm not necessarily confident that he's going to do that again, but uh, we know Michelle has injury histories. Obviously Burkhead does. And and James White has, has his role, which doesn't really include carry. So if you told me that, um, that Harris was the starter by the end of the season. That wouldn't surprise me at all.
0: He feels like the new Burkhead. Honestly, that's what he feels like—the guy who can do a little bit of everything well.
2: Yeah, and, and you know that that coaching staff will will use that to its fullest uh, and and get the most out of they can that they can out of Damian Harris. That leaves me. On the clock at 21, it seems like there is a definite line between number 20 and number 21 in my rankings. I'm going to transfer back to the tight end position and go with Irv Smith Jr. landing in Minnesota. Might have to wait in the wings for a year or two behind Kyle Rudolph, but we were all fans of the talent. I think I can speak for everybody here on the podcast. Uh, That landing spot could have been worse for sure. And while many of us don't have great expectations, and it will certainly be difficult to put him in a lineup in year one, particularly if Rudolph continues to stay healthy, I think the the light is bright at the end of that tunnel for, for Irv Smith going forward. So I'll take him at 209.
0: The highest player still on my board It's a player I'm not super excited about taking, but I'm going to go ahead and do it here. It's the other Baltimore Ravens wide receiver pick here, Miles Boykin. Uh, Another speed freak, uh, a bigger target probably, or not probably, certainly than than, uh, Marquise Brown. So one of the best things that, that Lamar Jackson did as a passer last year was throw the ball deep, and he's got two nice options here with Boykin offering a little bit more size and hopefully a little bit more touchdown production than Marquise Brown. So I'll take him here at 210.
1: This this is a tough one for me here at the end of the second round. Definitely did have that uh, that that tier drop. Uh, if it if it didn't ha- happen a couple spots ago, it's it's certainly happening here. Uh, Matt, you talked about your Packers at the beginning of the show that they didn't get Rogers any receiving help. I'm I'm not sure if you were just re- referring to wide receivers or if you forgot about Jay Sternberger, but that's who I'm going to take at 23 overall. Uh, I don't know. You guys are certainly more plugged in with the Packers. I don't know if it's a lock that Jimmy Graham is on this roster in 2019. Maybe, maybe that's a, a bit of a red shirt year for Sternberger, but uh, he was another guy gaining value entering, uh, leading up to the draft, and I think this landing spot certainly helps him.
2: Oh, my goodness, you got me again, yes. Ryan. Uh, Sternberger is going to be one of my favorite round three picks in lots of drafts. It seems like that's where he's settling in in most of the mocks and live drafts that I have seen. That seems like a big value. I, I had him as my top-rated player going into that pick, Ryan. I was going to be glad to scoop him up at 24 overall, but you beat to, beat me to him at 23. Again, like Irv Smith Jr., who I've ranked side-by-side in my rankings Uh, the two tight ends probably going to have to wait a minute to, to get to that upside, but there's certainly pass catching upside, particularly in the red zone or down by the end zone. And uh, that can translate into top 10 or top 12 tight end production. So I like the Sternberger pick that forces me to go back to the wide receiver position. I'm going to go with Jalen Hurd here from the 49ers. I talked a little bit about that 49ers landing spot a little bit earlier with, with, Debo Samuel. uh, For the same reasons, I, I like what I see out of Jalen Hurd and his upside. I think he fits in nicely towards the end of round two or early in round three. So round two is in the books. It went Hakeem Butler, Andy Isabella, Marquise Brown, and Daryl Henderson to start things off. That was followed up by Justice Hill. Devin Singletary, Kyler Murray, Damian Harris, Irv Smith Jr., and Miles Boykin, the last two picks of the second round, go Jay Sternberger to Ryan, and then I finish things up with Jalen Hurd. Interesting. Uh, in that round, guys, since the number one pick and kill Harry, there were no repeats from last year's draft or last week's draft. Excuse me, until Kyler Murray went at 207. He went in the same spot to Matt last week, and then Matt did it again at 10 overall or 10th with the 10th pick in the second round with Miles Boykin. He was in the same spot last week as well. Let's rapid fire a third round, guys. I think we have a couple minutes here. Matt, you're up at number
0: twenty five yeah i'll make it real quick. I went Alexander Madison here at three o one another uh you know kind of you know just say what it is it's a flyer right he's he's obviously landed behind a t- in a tough spot behind uh, uh, uh. <laughs> He obviously landed in a tough spot behind Dalvin Cook, uh, but you know we we know his injury history, and you know he had, was able to, unable to stay healthy in college. He was hurt last year, uh, and earned his rookie season, came back towards the end of last year and looked strong again. But you know those, it's kind of always in the back of my mind that we've got another injury coming up for Dalvin Cook, and if that's the case, then I, I think Alexander Madison can certainly play the same role that Latavius Murray did, if not a little bit better than he did.
1: All right, I'm going back to the wide receiver position. This is another player gaining a ton of value since the draft. In fact, he was not even drafted in our pre-draft rookie ADP. Uh, I'm going to take Deontay Johnson, the wide receiver from Toledo, from the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Certainly an opportunity there. Uh, we like Moncrief. We like James Washington, but there's, uh, th- those guys are question marks. So now it's, it's those three guys competing for wide receiver two duties. The second you said you're going back to the wide receiver position, <laughs> I knew you got me again.
2: Yes. Her eye Johnson. He was going to be my pick. Uh, I'm going to flip-flop over to the running back spot, and I'm going to take Packers running back Dexter Williams. Even though he was a sixth-round pick, I think there's certainly a role for him on that team. I think he's going to mix well with Aaron Jones, and I – like I said, I think he's going to play a role, and there's, there's the potential for early points out of Dexter Williams with the Packers. I get him there at 27 overall. Matt, you're up at 304.
0: Yeah, I'll take uh, Darwin Thompson, uh, another running back. This time, a, another great landing spot in Kansas City. Uh, I've never really bought in on Damian Williams. I'm not saying Darwin Thompson is going to unseat him, at least in year one. Uh, but we have to remember that that Damian Williams is, you know, he's not young, but he's he's not he's not he's not super old, but he's certainly not young in that 27, 28 year old range. Um, and you know, didn't really bring in anything to compete against him other than Darwin Thompson. I think he's a guy that Matt Waldman really likes, and uh, so I'm going to trust that pick in the landing spot there with with darwin thompson at 304
1: all right i'm going wide receiver once again uh gonna have to end the fall of of this guy who fell in the nfl draft to the surprise of of many uh, in our pre-draft adp kelvin harman was the eighth player drafted overall 1.08 uh, now his adp is uh, 2.11 23 overall i get him here at 29 overall the fall was was just a killer. Obviously, uh, I think he was what was he got sixth rounder, seventh rounder. It was, it was, it was late. Um, but but the landing spot is is almost as as good as you could have hoped for at that point. Uh, I already know I know he's better than Josh Dotson. That's that's hands down. So <laughs> uh, so we'll see if he can earn an early role there.
2: Yeah, he went at 201 last week, so he falls all the way to the middle of the third round here at 305, but since you ended his fall, I will end another fall, I guess. Dwayne Haskins, he went in this spot a week ago, and I I don't think a lot of dynasty owners are going to get him all the way down at 306, but that's where he falls to in this one. Matt, you're up again at 307.
0: I'm going to take the same player I took in the pre-draft ADP or mock draft that we did. I'm going to take Bryce Bryce Love again, uh, another player for Washington. Uh, Obviously, Darius Geis is there. Chris Thompson is there in that receiving back role. If he can ever stay healthy, love himself coming off of a big injury. Uh, Graham Barfield really loves him and and what he's going to bring to the table in the NFL. So uh, I'm going to take him here in the middle of the third as an upside pick.
1: I think in this in this third round and and beyond, there's so many intriguing running backs that are slated to be backups that are that are going to be good options and and some of these guys are going to hit. I I really want as many third and fourth round picks as I can uh, as I can make room for on my roster. Uh, so since I'm looking at backup running backs, I'm going to take my Homer pick. I did this last week as well. I don't know if it was in this spot, Dan, but I'm going to take Benny Snell uh, lands in Pittsburgh. I don't, I certainly don't see him quickly overtaking James Conner, but I also think it's fair to have uh, one-year wonder type questions about James Conner. So uh, maybe that becomes a committee. I don't know. We'll see. I'll take Benny Snell here. Ryan when Snell landed with Pittsburgh I think I
2: texted you right away and and said Benny Snell is the perfect Pittsburgh Steelers running that that seemed like an ideal landing spot for Snell so I love it and the, and the chance to get him in round three seems like something uh, I'll be scooping up in a lot of leagues at least the ones I'm not in with you Ryan that puts me up at 309 I'm gonna go I'm gonna dip my toe in that running back, back up running back waters a little bit as well. And, it you know, for me, things got muddied a little bit. Maybe this guy would be worth a little bit more if they wouldn't have, have gone right back into the position. I'm going to take Rodney Anderson, take the upside that he has. Uh, you know, without his injury history, I think a lot of dynasty owners would be talking about him in the first or, or at least the second round of rookie drafts, even with that landing spot, he's a talented guy. And while I'm scared with that landing spot, both because of the running back that they drafted uh, as well as, as him in this draft class, Dravion Williams and Joe Mixon, obviously that big time back that's already in place there. I feel like if you're taking a lottery ticket, you might as well take it on a talented guy. And if he gets his chance, he might just run with it.
0: All right, with my last pick in this exercise, I'll take the man with, I'm pretty sure, the most names of any rookie. That is Kahale Kuyo Kalani Michael Wodehouse Waring. Uh, tight end for the Texans you know that the, the Texans are still searching for that a uh, player at that position we had Jordan Thomas come on late uh, uh, Waring is a, is, a, is a guy who's coming to football late uh, but the the speed the athleticism the size that he has shown uh, is really intriguing and I like these upside tight ends at the back end of my roster so excited to get him here at 310.
1: Matt, it took you the entire draft, but you finally sniped me. That, that was my pick. That's a, that's a great pick uh, late in the third round. I mentioned the backup running backs. I think there's several, uh, several of these rookie tight ends that are really intriguing. Uh, we're not going to get to name them or to take them all here, but Waring is one, Josh Oliver, Dawson Knox, Foster Moreau. All of those guys, again, with third, fourth round picks, are pretty interesting guys who... All landed in in nice spots. Uh, with that said, I'm not taking a tight end. I'm going to take another backup running back, Raquel Armstead. Uh, I think we all probably knew we would be interested in the in the running back that the Jaguars took, considering the offseason and, and the end of the season uh, that Leonard Fournette had. So uh, Armstead is is an interesting player. can uh, can catch the ball. has a lot of speed. Good compliment to uh, to Fournette with TJ Yeldon and and those other guys gone. So uh, Armstead at the end of the third round. Did I get you, Dan?
2: No, you didn't get me on that one. It was a nice pick for sure, and he's he's high on my board. I'm going to take the highest guy left on my board. Maybe I have to adjust. Certainly a guy that has gone down my rankings since learning his landing spot. That's Riley Ridley, who landed with the Bears. Uh, While I do still like the route running and do still feel like he'll make an impact for an NFL team, I don't necessarily like the shared minutes and shared playing time he's going to have in Chicago. I like that offense, but they spread the ball around quite a bit. Uh, still, still hopeful that the talent will rise to the top there. But uh, Riley Ridley is more of definitely more of a late third-round pick than the second-round pick that he had the potential to be, in my eyes at least. I took him at 303 last week. Uh, he falls to 312 this week, and, and there are other players that I was considering for sure. So the third round goes Alexander Madison, Deontay Johnson, and Dexter Williams to start things off. That was followed up by Darwin Thompson, Kelvin Harmon, and Dwayne Haskins, Bryce Love, Benny Snell, and Rodney Anderson. The last three picks of this three round mock go Kah- Kahali, it, the warring, the tight end <laughs> from Houston, Raquel. Armstead, and then uh, the Mr. Irrelevant is Riley Ridley. Guys, it was fun, this three-round mock. Hopefully it's helpful for all of our listeners. Things are obviously going to change over the coming weeks and months until we see more NFL football once the preseason kicks off in August. But I think this paints a pretty clear picture of what we have now and, and what to expect going forward in these early offseason mocks. Uh, Keep an eye on DLF for updated ADP as it pertains to all this stuff. We'll have lots more coverage on the DLF Dynasty podcast as well. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again next week.